Welcome to the very first episode of What the Fumble, a D&D 5e actual play horror comedy podcast. The story that you're about to listen to is a conglomeration of older edition modules that I've converted over to 5th edition. Some of the stuff is from 2e, some's from 3e, and the whole gosh darn thing is mixed together and heavily influenced by elements from the 5th edition source book, Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. Also, this is a horror-themed campaign, so keep in mind that some of the content we might talk about can be a little spooky, so listener discretion is advised. Consider yourself warned. But that is enough about all that jazz for now. You're here for some D&D. So without further ado, here's episode one of What the Fumble. The calm and carry on. Is this thing on? That's a that's a good opening line, right? You're doing great. Uh, thanks, buddy. <laughs> uh, my name's Justin. I'm the DM of this wacky D&D group. Currently surrounded by five of my good friends here, who I'll introduce in just a sec. But first, I feel like we're supposed to explain what the heck is about to happen. At least a, a little bit, right? You know, if you're listening to this, you probably already know what D&D is. But on the off chance that you saw the name What the Fumble and thought that you were signing up to listen to some highlights of last week's worst NFL plays. (laughs) Uh, Let me break it down just a little bit. We're going to play Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah. Okay. Basically, that means me and my friends here, we're going to collectively tell the story, and we're going to use dice to determine what happens in that story. Each of the players are going to play a main character in that story, and I play the role of narrator and take on the role of all those little minor characters. And that's about it. That's D&D. That's the Cliff Notes version of D&D. Pretty easy to get into. Disclaimer, none of us have a gambling problem with all the dice that we have. Well, okay. speak for yourself. Yeah, yeah. please do. Yeah, it's not <laughs> the dice. I'm more cards. Let's not open this by lying to the internet. <laughs> <laughs> They've never been lied to before. <laughs> they can't handle being lied to. Well, I'll go around and introduce who's at the table here with me. Right to my left. I'm kind of sitting at the head of the table. Give you guys a picture of what's going on in this room. Right to my left is Adam Fane. Adam, who are you playing? What are you playing? What's going on to my left? I am Adam Thane. I am playing Stiletto. She is a 5'10 woman. Of course, without those stiletto heels, she's like 5'6". Uh, not only stiletto heels, stiletto daggers on her thighs... Those traveling boots uh, are the things that got the heels. Those big baggy pants to sort of throw off her physique, make people underestimate her. A sort of armored-looking corset kind of thing to try and look badass with a duster over top of that where she keeps all of her stuff. Oh, that's uh, cool. Oh, yeah. Almost kind of like I see almost kind of steampunky, do you think? Uh, it's slightly steampunky. Like... Not quite full Bloodborne, a little, you know, Van Helsing-esque, you know, so, some sort of, like, monster hunter, because, uh, you know, I get the feeling you're going to put us somewhere real nasty. Uh, but she's got a big old scarf that covers her face, because, you know, she's still in COVID. Um, and then uh, a big Aarakocra feather coming out of the top of her uh, fancy hat. Ooh. Yeah. An Aarakocra feather. Yeah. Very, very fancy. To Adam's left is Mr. David Wells. David, what's going on in that corner of the table over there? Uh, Well, for me, I happen to be playing Lustra, a copper dragonborn ranger. Uh, He's six foot five, lean and cut. Definitely looks a a bit beefy. Has two horns that curve along the back of his skull with a gentle curve down. Uh, Below his, and on the left of on his left horn, he happens to have a little rosary of sorts with a coin emblem of a tree. And on the, in the middle of the coin is a sword and shield. And then underneath the sword and shield are the roots of that coin on that rosary. Then underneath that is a leather tunic, sleeveless, very weathered. 
Uh, and it goes and it actually reaches down his uh, waist and actually reaches just above his knees. It's actually a very long tunic of sorts. It's uh, kind of like a blacksmith apron almost is kind of what i'm like that length like a tabard like a ta- tabard that's yeah what it would it for. would be yeah it, it does have like a split so that you know he has full mobility of his legs down right, the middle right. there so three but splits is, one for his tail it uh, doesn't have a tail actually <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah. gasp yeah dragonborn without a tail how about that um and then he has a uh and he has a cloak that's kind of like gillied with tropical leaves then when it comes to his belt, it's kind of made of a, of a hide with a similar emblem that his rosary on his horn has. Then he has just typical gray cotton slacks, and everything looks quite weathered and well-worn, except his actual shoes, which are definitely well-looked after and have an embroidery. And in the embroidery, if you look closely, it says, With love, RSS. Some fancy shoes on and his Very feet. fancy shoes. And then on his left hip is a, is a huge femur, like a bone, and it's bloodstained on his left hip. And then on his right hip, he has a hand axe that's, co- that's carved from stone. So he's got a big old femur as a, as a club. How tall is this guy? This is a big old... Six and a half feet. Haven't you been listening? <laughs> six foot five. Six. <laughs> uh, yeah, I heard six five, so I was yeah. listening. Great yeah. idea. Antagonize the DM at the start of the campaign. <laughs> You're the first to go. <laughs> I don't know why you guys were under the impression that I'm paying any attention to any of you. Yeah, so six foot five, yes, is how tall Lustra is. Sorry, buddy. Yeah, no worries, no Not worries. about the height, about the fact that... <laughs> good for you for being 6'5". Yeah, really, congrats. congrats. Congratulations. Yeah. Well, it, it matches my in-person persona, because I know you can't see me, but I'm actually 6'5", blonde hair, you know, Baywatch god with a six-pack abs. T- absolutely, totally. Not a, like you know... Like said, stop true. lying to the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Let me have this fantasy god. Love it. Lustra... The ranger. Dragonborn ranger. Very cool, very cool. Across uh, the table from me, the other head of the table, is Mr. Miles Wells. Miles, who you playing? What you playing? What's it look like? What's going on? What's going on over here? Um, well, I'm sure before people ask, yes, I am related to David. He's, in fact, my twin. So I'm also an Adonis, uh, just to give you an idea there. But <laughs> not with the same pension for lying to the internet, I promise. However, when it comes to my character, my character, his name is Salash. He's a, a Wan T, standing six foot one at a slender, you know, 125 pounds. Mostly humanoid, though. You wouldn't know... He was Wan T at first blush until you look directly into his very snake-like eyes, an orange with a green slit. Uh, looking at his mouth, you might see the tip of a fang peek over the left side of his mouth. Uh, when you look down his his body, you can see that he's wearing almost closely. You see more akin to like something you would wear in the desert. You know, much more baggy vestments, a white baggy vestment with a red undershirt and orange accents swirling about. And underneath that, upon closer inspection, you can see some leather armor much closer to the chest. Uh, at his hip, he's going to be wearing something of a weapon. If any of you know what a kopesh is, which is basically a long sword with a nice big curve, it's like that, but a lot smaller. So basically what I mean to say is he's got a sickle, uh, kind of akin to the, you know, Soviets, if you know what that's about. That being said, you continue down. He's wearing white baggy pants and and black sandals that have a few scales that, once again, upon closer inspection in a diamond pattern, might belie his Iwanti heritage. The sandals? Yeah, sandals. Are you wearing you're like wearing the equivalent of snakeskin boots as a Iwanti? <laughs> well, I mean, his regular feet are snakeskin, so like I'm not sure how to answer right, that question. Well, I mean, it sounds like you've got yeah, that's a little you, messed up. Is all I'm saying. Are you wearing socks with these sandals? Oh God, wow. no. Okay, all right. <laughs> you stole my idea. I'm wearing an elf skin face mask. No, oh. it's uh, it's very badass and also very communist. So, <laughs> wait, if any of us it wear snakeskin boots, is that cultural appropriation of one T? Listen, it's not up to me to decide that. That's up to Slash. So you'll have to ask him. Man, so you're a snake guy wearing snake shoes. 
Well, it's uh, it's a sandal. Like it's it's like leather. I don't think sandals. it matters what style of <laughs> shoe it is. I don't think that's the important thing here. I feel it's the fact that your shoes are made out of dead snakes. No, 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 no. I said that you can see his foot that has scales on it that would belie his Yuan T heritage. I, that's uh, not what I heard. Uh, okay, okay, well, okay. it definitely came off as you were wearing snakeskin shoes, snakeskin like you had just cannon. skinned one of your uh, own and wore them as shoes. Well, it's canon now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sitting next to you <laughs> is Sobi. Uh, Sobi, who are you playing? What you playing? What's your deal over there? Well, everybody else's character seems so well put together and clean, and that is just not Merlin Carlisle, uh, who I'm playing. Uh, Merlin is just your average 24-year-old uh, standard human, um, unemployed at the moment, and very shaggy looking. He's standing at a height of very lanky, weighing in <laughs> at too skinny, and sports a nice uh, brown bowl cut on a lemon-shaped head. Oh. Uh, he's wearing a very poofy white uh, pirate shirt, if you will, a beige vest, and some torn-up pants. And uh, the shoes, I guess, were optional on this uh, on the trip that we're having, so no shoes for, for Merlin. No shoes. Yeah. No shoes. At least he didn't murder anybody for them. Right. <laughs> hey, man. Very true. Fine, fine. I get it. A bowl cut on top of a lemon-shaped head. Is that? That's right. It's like lemon tall or lemon wide? That's a good question. Lemon tall, yeah. Okay. Lemon, lemon tall. tall. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Uh, big nubs on the lemons, like uh, oh, protruding no. chin, and oh, like God. the hair, like the bowl cut seems to sit up. <laughs> I'm, like I'm imagining head. a cone head, is get what it, I'm imagining. Stewie Griffin, but his head is ninety degrees. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> Correct. That's right. That's yeah. right. Oh, great. Love it. Love it. And finally, next to Sobes, and also next to me, is Mr. Colin Colin Olton. What are, what are you planning over there? What's uh, what's your diddly? Uh, well, I've just finished reading all your notes for this campaign. Great. So I figured uh, I'll be playing uh, Tessantia Stalendril, uh, a female el- wood elven monk. Um, she's uh, sort of slender, but tall, about like five seven, five eight. Uh, very athletic carries herself very gracefully um got about got fair skin sort of chestnut wavy almost curly hair a bit further down than her shoulders uh, her she got hazel eyes with sort of flecks of green when the light catches them the right way she's uh usually has like a large cloak covering most of herself underneath that is wearing a very very like overly large white tunic um almost like it was like, she took it from, like, someone who's, like, much bigger than her. It's, like, super frumpy. Bedtime t-shirt kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, essentially. She just has that uh, sort of slung down over one shoulder and has it tied up around her waist, sort of, like, 80s, 90s high schooler oh, style. Yeah. Hot. Yeah. Also, she's very pretty. Very pretty. That is oh, three or four of you who are wearing poofy white shirts. That's fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're a team. Yeah. You're already bonding. Yeah. Main character energy. Don't worry, Adam. We'll get you one by the end of the campaign. There <laughs> There's a guy at the end of the ship just selling selling shirts. Making a killing back <laughs> there, <laughs> too. <laughs> Out of stock. Doesn't have enough left for poor Stiletto. Ah, oh, she'll get one someday. Everyone else bought poofy white shirts from him. <laughs> yeah, I got, a, I got a sleeveless leather tunic. Did you not listen to a single thing I said? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I know the lizard is showing off his pythons. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. You're a gnome artificer. We all heard you. Fuck. Oh, that was good. Oh, man. Holy I'm very shit. sorry. Uh, <laughs> Here you were born to run. God. It's okay. It doesn't matter. You're going to be the first to die. Uh, we don't have to learn that's about why. you. Yeah, like whatever. This character it doesn't matter. <laughs> Someone's got to go in chapter one. Well, there's your characters. Pretty much any other character that shows up in the story is is my problem. With that, we're gonna we're gonna play some D and D. I think you guys. I mean, we've already kind of established. You know, we're gonna be doing a bit of a horror themed campaign this time around. Those of you 
listening a little bit about us, I guess we've done, we've done what, two, three, like full size campaigns together at this point. We've done a bunch of other little stuff together, you know, the Delta greens and one shots all over the place. Uh, but I think, I think that's right. Right. Well, this yeah. will be our fourth, like fourth big one, real, right? Yeah. Main long form. I think so. Yet we're still not organized at all. <laughs> yeah, we're going right. to step on each other's toes so much. <laughs> you show me a D&D group that is. I'll show you a group of psychopaths. Yeah, well, you know, we'll, uh, we'll adjust as we go. <laughs> we'll learn one of these days. Maybe our fifth year playing D&D <laughs> together is going to be that magic year where it just all comes together. You guys have expectations for a horror campaign? Uh, lots of depths, lots of puckering of orifices mm-hmm. and uh yeah mostly just scared you've yet to kill me in any campaign and considering you don't listen to what i say anyways <laughs> that? That? i hope i hope i actually die because i love my backup character i think there's a problem with my mic is, a, is there <laughs> yeah are these mics on earth yeah could you put uh, uh i don't think david's coming through my headphones <laughs> <laughs> these piece of shit headphones i gotta these, yeah these damn things <laughs> oh, shucks man i don't know personally speaking uh when it comes to your cliffhangers that's something that has always done extremely you've done extremely well you like never mind cliffhanger ne- never mind in a horror setting like that's that's the the real go-to here something that i always look forward to we do like a good cliffhanger i don't think i mean my expectations are, i don't think like you guys are actually gonna get scared right i mean horror for me at least is more about kind of implanting those horrible vivid images in your brain but I mean, maybe Colin's going to get a little scared. Dude, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) At some points, might get a little scared. The audience doesn't have to know, okay? You're going to be okay. I couldn't sit through a Goosebumps movie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Uh, It's going to be fine. It's the one with the doll, I understand. Uh, No, but that's okay, because we are all going to get through this together through the power of friendship and teamwork. There you go. Let's play D&T, I think, right? All right. Hell yeah. Here we go. Our story is actually going to start in Faerun, on a boat. It's a single massive sailing ship with the name Blue Dolphin painted on her hull. Since leaving port a few days ago, summer winds have been steadily carrying her through the Sea of Swords towards the city of Waterdeep. The Blue Dolphin is a pretty, pretty big boat. It's about 80 feet long, 20 feet wide. And it's crewed by a dozen seasoned sailors. Her cargo hold is packed to the brim with rare spices and components from the Chulton Peninsula. And her passenger quarters are assigned to the five of you, plus two other passengers that are heading to Waterdeep. A young couple on honeymoon. And as the five of you are killing time on this boat, whether you're Leaning against the railing, looking out of the sea on the main deck, or maybe you're on the lower deck in the passenger quarters reading a book, wherever you may be on this boat, you all feel a change in the winds, that steady summer breeze that has been at your back for days now seems to have just suddenly fallen away to nothing but a faint whisper. The sea is now spread out around this ship like a sheet of glass beneath an equally featureless sky. The sea air that was so recently invigorating and bracing now seems heavy, almost oppressive. And to a man, the entire crew seems nervous and upset by this sudden calm. So we're going to go around the table and you're going to tell me where on this boat you're hanging out and how you react to this change in weather. Merlin, what what are you where are you at when this change of weather occurs? Well, dirty old Merlin is gonna be on the top deck, uh taking in that uh, nice sea air when he notices the wind just die down altogether. And he thinks that's pretty weird. Um Nothing like that he probably hasn't seen before, you know, probably seen the wind stop once or twice in his life. So he's not too, too worried, but he would like to get to our destination rather quickly. So he's a little antsy now. Absolutely. You can already kind of hear the grumbling of the sailors on the top deck here. They're already starting to grumble and complain about the fact that the ship has come to 
a complete stop. You are completely becalmed at this point. The sail is just hanging limply from the mast, and there is zero movement. There's no sign of any current. Completely becalmed. And already the sailors are grumbling about the fact that, you know, this is going to put the journey behind by at least a few hours, which means they're probably going to miss at least one meal towards the end of the end of the journey, right? They only brought enough food for however many days and a couple hours of not moving uh, is going to probably ruin lunch on that last day and they're not too happy about it. Stiletto, what are you doing? Stiletto would have been mid-deck, probably back against the wall, just uh, that way she's not, you know, she can watch, people watch a little better. And she's just taking notes in a little notebook that she's been carrying and doodling in over the days, um, flipping, reading a few passages, and then just sort of, as soon as it stops, she turns to another spot, just starts reading, taking a few notes, and just looking around, taking in all of the atmosphere. Taking it all in, doing a little people watching. Looser, where are you at when the, the weather changes? Uh, I'll definitely be on top of the deck and working at my shoes, making sure they're clean and in order while shoe brushing them away and making sure that they're in the absolute utmost condition that he expects them to be in um, while the wind dies down just on top deck because, you know, shoe brushes and oiling shoes can be rather smelly. I like it. Where's Slash when the, the winds die down? Slash would probably be in his quarters, a uh, window open, uh, reading one of his books that he brought with him for the trip, trying more or less to isolate himself before he you know, gives a quick look at the air and noticing the sudden stoppage of the ship, you'd peek out, sort of study what everybody else around him is doing, sort of waiting to take cues before he makes his way topside uh, to see what all the hubbub is about. Sure. Tess? Where are you at? Uh, I think she would probably be on like the, the highest point that she's allowed to be on the ship. So sure. she's got like that raised section in the in the back of the boat. Yeah, you're on top of the aft castle, uh, doing your backseat driving behind the uh, ship's wheel. Awesome, yeah. So you'd, she'd sort of be like looking out, out the back of the boat, sort of like a little wistfully at the, the way they came. But when she heard the grumbling, she would have... Just like looked around with interest and like seen all the like frowning faces, and she just probably would have started like sauntering up behind whoever's at the wheel, and just like you know, like look over his shoulder, see what's up. I like it. Eventually, you know that this the winds don't pick up over the next couple of minutes, and eventually, all of you kind of make your way to the the top deck, uh, the main deck, to to see what's going on. Uh, the new honeymooning couple, uh, newlywed couple, is uh, leaning against the rail, looking out at this calm sea, just also just kind of taking it all in. Uh, after a few minutes, the crew, you know, they're still grumbly. They'd rather be moving. But the impression that you guys get from just kind of listening into to their moaning and groaning is that for there to be zero wind here is fairly unusual. You know, usually a ship could sail directly into wind as long as you kind of zigzag your way towards that direction. You need very, very little wind to make a sailing ship move. Even if it's not very fast, it's super unusual to be completely becalmed. Uh, And unfortunately, this style of boat, these guys are not equipped to switch over to rowing. This is a sailing ship, one mast, one giant sail, and that mast is hanging limply and there's no movement. But after a little while, the crew kind of almost accepts defeat, and they just, you know, they, you see them lounging around on the deck, essentially waiting this out, which all of you are, are kind of stuck doing as well. So what do you do? Tess would uh, sort of just wander around, sort of like try to saunter her way up close to the the newlywed couple, not trying to like impose or anything, but um, sort of just walk by semi what what she thinks is casually, and like listen to any sweet nothings that they're saying. <laughs> just creeping in on the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so Lash would also be nearby and notice Tess being very blatant about her eavesdropping, and just look to Tess and say. 
you know, I'm trying to understand them as well. Uh, do, do you know what they're doing? Or I'm not used to this kind of interaction. Oh, well, um, I mean, I heard that they were just married. <laughs> it's quite romantic, and they're on their honeymoon now. I wonder if they're going to Waterdeep just like us. I mean, that's supposed to be the last stop, yes? Yes, I'm on the way to Waterdeep, yes, that's where we're going. Yes, uh, well, I mean, I suppose you're not on the honeymoon as well either, are you? Uh, not quite. I'm actually trying to find my way to a place where there's lots of people, lots of races to look at, and... and Figure out how they work. I'm I'm trying to figure that out for myself. Um, you know, being being what I am, of course, I've, 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 I'm not quite familiar with the greater workings of something that. Well, you're not all meat to me. That my my cohorts might say. So I want to find out if if thinking meat like you got like yourself like. Uh, can 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 work out. You know what I'm trying to say, right? I'm not sure that I do, but I'm I'm uh, Tessandius. Nice to meet you. Y- 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 hold, I hold it like I hold out my hand. Uh, he cautiously takes it, it's like shakes it enthusiastically. You you know I'm Juan T, right? I I mean, I know your eyes are strange. But you haven't done anything to me. I mean, you called me meat and a guy, but I mean, that's not really a problem. That's... Like, do you, do you, like, what about, what about that large man over there? Do you think he is meat as well? He's larger meat. I, I like side, I side eye, um, Lustra. Just, I'm like, <gasps> hello. Uh, as I'm still brushing my shoe and not looking up, and I'm like, uh, I am not just mere meat. I hunt meat, but I am not meat. And I give a side eye to Slash. Hey, listen, that's something we have in common. I'm not, I'm not trying to, to hate on meat. I just think it's interesting how it works. And I'm just trying to figure that out for myself. That, that's all it is. Merlin, he's going to saunter over to this group and he's going to say, Did someone say meat? I'm really hungry. And... <laughs> If somebody has meat, uh, <laughs> I will take it and eat it. God, I'm starving. Well, from what I understand, do we even know what this boat is carrying aside from us? Well, it's coming from Chult, and I know, you know, I was just there. Yeah, I guess we all were, but uh, I was living there for a little while, and I know Chult has a lot of fancy spices and whatnot. Uh, some pretty expensive stuff, actually. Uh, it goes out of Chult. Hmm. You might find something below deck, then. Oh, but, so yeah, you guys would all kind of know that the 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 deck, the cargo hold, is just filled to the brim with uh, rare spices and like spell components from from Trolt. It's like very merchant, very cash crop style. Yeah, yeah. Stiletto will saunter up to the group. Uh, first, you just see this hand sticking between because I think everybody's uh, taller than me with this piece of jerky uh, towards Merlin, and uh, she she goes, "It's dry, but." Here you are. And uh, she even casts Prestidigitation to uh, give it a nice little spice to it, Uh, similar to what would be below deck. She just uh, bows to you and in Sylvan says, greetings. Uh, Bows to you and Abyssal says, greetings. So to, yeah, to Tess and Selesh, respectively. And then... Lustra replies in Sylvan, greetings. Wow, excellent. Um, If you need... If you want to save time, uh, she casts precipitation on her own boots and uh, makes them look absolutely clean and new. <laughs> <laughs> and just whisper in your ear, I can mend them too. And then after that, she goes over to the couple and gives them a list of uh, things. Oh, Waterdeep. Um, just starts giving them a list of uh, sightseeing t- uh, spots. She goes, I really loved these ones. Yeah, they, they take your their, your notes. Uh uh, introduce themselves to the Abin already as Peter and Beth. And Peter's like, oh, we were thinking about visiting all the statues. Uh, oh, thanks. These are great, great pointers. Uh, and Beth thanks as well. Oh, th- thanks. Uh, you, you must know a lot. Are, are you from there? What are you, what are you going to Waterdeep for? Work? Uh, I, I, I went for a spell component. It's, uh, it was from a little bunny and, uh, 
I don't want to talk about getting it, but yeah, I'm, I'm going home for work. Oh, so you so you lived in Waterdeep then? Yeah, I, I oh. still live there. Amazing! I, I it's going to be my first time going there. Uh, actually, I've heard a lot of stories about it though. I uh, uh, someone I knew, uh, sh- he he was there uh, a lot for for work and travel, um, and. He always said that Waterdeep was somewhere that he always wanted to take me, so that's where I'm going now. It's a beautiful city. Yes. Uh, you said he. Uh, are you going alone? Uh, well, we were supposed to go together, but um, he is, he's since passed on. We were supposed to go quite a long time ago, but he, there were, he was called away for the war about... 40, 50 years ago, and he didn't make it back until very recently. But um, he made it back to me, and he, he, tr- he tried not to talk about where he was for the majority of it. Um, it was, he just told me it was someplace very bad. But regardless, he wanted to take me to all of the good places he went to, starting with Waterdeep. There are many good places in Waterdeep. And for a second, Stiletto's doing the math in her head, and she's like, 40, 50 years? Damn, you look good for that age. <laughs> Notices your ears and stuff like that. And goes, I'm I'm sorry, was he elven too? No, he was, he was human. His name was Simon. He was very kind. We grew up together, actually. Uh, down at, um, I guess, the human settlement of Splitport, which was where he was from. And... So Lash interjects and is just like, so were you like these people? And points to Beth and and Peter. Tess sort of like giggles and blushes. Uh, well, I mean, that was that was the plan. Um, but uh, I mean, you you're going to people watch as well, I guess. So I should I should tell you um, where I come from. It's a an elven settlement and a human settlement, and we usually. Uh, in co-mingle, it's sort of uh, separated, um, but none of us are meat, uh, though we do fish a lot, so there is meat there. She looks to Lustra. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't mean to change the subject or anything, but are you going to Waterdeep for a new pair of boots? They seem very nice. Oh, I take very good care of them. Uh, kind of someone near and dear to me made them for me. Um, coincidentally, that very same person I'm kind of looking for. And uh, I'm kind of hoping to find some more information in Waterdeep concerning it. Oh. Um, she's kind of went missing, and I'm kind of hoping I can find things on... Um, I mean, it's a bit much, but I mean, we've been traveling together a bit. Not You guys know anything about like any kind of disappearing fog or anything Tess sort of like she goes a little bit pale so yeah I'm not usually one to leave Chult kind of my home and um so it's kind of new for me to go to a big city and I don't know what to expect and uh you Lady Bookworm uh, as it were what was your name my name's Teletta Lustra and go to give a handshake she pauses a moment, and then uh, shakes your hand. Sorry, I did, didn't mean any kind of any disrespect. I uh, just uh, hesitant with touch. And oh, you see she's wearing thick traveling glove. Uh, Lustra backs off and kind of gives a bit of a bow. I do apologize. It was it's, just, yeah, I just wanted to be a proper... Anyhow, yeah, you seem to know a lot about Waterdeep. Do you know of any libraries or anything that I might read up on such things, or...? I'm not sure that you'll need a library. I don't think there are any things really written about a disappearing fog. I mean, I could be wrong, and I really hope I am. Um, but the bad place that Simon was for most of his adult life... Um, he didn't speak of it much, but he did, when we were going out into the world, he wanted to warn me to be safe. And there was a horrid fog that took him to another place. 
another incredibly bad place that was owned by shadows and death was everywhere and he couldn't escape it for decades. I mean, the only real reason that he was able to come back to me at all was he met a man there. Um, his name was I, Rudolf Van Richten. Um, and he was actually taking me to Waterdeep, Waterdeep to meet him because I think that I think a word came that he was working out of there. So maybe maybe this man can help you find her. But as far as I could tell, it was like a maze of doors and walls, and each 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 fog led to a different place, and it was horrible. Simon called them the domains of dread. Luther's eyes just widen and go slack jaw. That it seems so. How do how so this this Rudolf Van Richten? He says he might know something about this. I mean, he is the man who helped Simon escape from this place. So if there is a disappearing fog, that your friend, whoever her, whoever she is, if she is there, then I mean. Mr. Van Richten is the only person I know who still lives who has actually experienced it. Okay, I know it's a lot to ask, but do you mind if I go with you to meet him? Because I, I absolutely need to find him. He seems to know exactly where Rena, someone very important to me, would be. I'm sure we will return Rena to you. I, I, I was going to go see the statues as well, but I mean, I think... I think meeting this Van Richten should be the first thing on our list once we get to Waterdeep. I'm, I may, I'm terribly sorry. If I may, I can take you right to him when we get there. Her eyes, uh, Tess's eyes light up. You've met him? I've met him. Oh, I'm so glad I've met you. It was going to take me at least 11 years to find him. I mean, not, not a terribly <laughs> a long time. Number. <laughs> Jeez. Or, 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 or six weeks, I can't really... His time is weird. He is that good at hiding. Um, yeah, he... Uh, and she, she precipitates just a cute little pattern in her hand. He's trained me. And with that, before you have a chance to question Stiletto or anyone else any further, the calm that hangs over this ship as quickly as it shows up just disappears and sudden violence replaces it. There are sheets of these charcoal gray clouds that just immediately boil into the sky. It takes seconds for them to show up. You see forks of lightning just ripping the sky apart. The wind that was lost now for quite some time slams into the ship, almost capsizing the boat. Sailors immediately scramble to and fro. They're all attempting to regain control of this ship, which right now is pitching and rolling around like a rubber ducky in a bathtub. It is being just tossed around like a kid's toy. All of you struggling to maintain your footing as wave after mighty wave hammers into the hull, washes the deck with this bitter gray water which is instantly just swept away by pounding, stinging rain, the whole ship pitching from side to side. One particularly large wave hammers into the port side. You see a big, misty cloud of ocean water, and when it dissipates, all you see is Peter kind of leaning over that railing. Beth completely gone, and we're going to roll some initiative. Oh, no! <laughs> Why couldn't it be Peter? <laughs> Beth is a hydra. <laughs> Adam, what'd you get in initiative? I got a 21. David? 15. Miles? 10. Sobes? I got a 14. Colin? 15. Who's got higher decks? I've got, a pl I've got a plus two. I've got plus three. Adam, Colin, David, Soby Miles... So, yeah, this hat, we'll say uh, that the couple are on the tossing of this, uh, of everything on the top decks during this, this storm. I mean, this is a super violent storm. 
it really is like you're a child's toy in a bathtub all of a sudden. It is, you can hear everything just groaning. The whole ship is just groaning under the pressure, trying to stay intact. Peter over on this brailing, screaming for help. Adam, what do you do? Or uh, Stiletto, what do you do? Uh, she's just going to run over and look to the side. Sure. Give me a dex saving throw to see if you can make it over there. 17. 17. You make it over, you grab the railing to steady yourself, and sure enough, you can see Beth, uh, she's not in the water. She's kind of like hanging off. She's holding the bottom of the rail, just hanging on for dear life. And as you get there, Peter's like, help her, you gotta help her. I can't, I can't lift her by myself. Uh, I will aid Peter in lifting her up. Sure. Give me an athletics check. 17. A natural 17 for 17. 17. Uh, so you kind of lean over the rail and uh, you and Peter together start trying to lift Beth back onto the top deck. You get a little progress in. Uh, Test, what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> so many new names. <laughs> totally forgot your name. It's That's totally why fine. I have them all written right here in this fancy schmancy DM screen. Heck yeah. Have I reached any rope yet? Do I have, like, am I by a coil of rope at all? Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Sure. Uh, yeah, I, I want to grab as much rope as I can if it's secured to something even better. And I want to run as close to um, this man overboard as I can and just, like, throw rope down to give her something else to hold on to. Yeah, absolutely. Give me a deck save to see if you can make it over there. Let's do it. 23. 23. The ship just pitching back and forth, but you kind of, you find the right timing, you know, try to run just that right moment where you don't get tossed overboard yourself grab one end of this coil of rope and just start hoofing it towards the railing. And you get there successfully. Don't worry. We're going to get you back up. You have... You have your honeymoon. Help! Someone! What are you doing? Maybe Lustra (laughs) can give you a hand as well. So Lustra, Stiletto, and Tess already over there by the railing. Uh, There's rope involved at this point. What are you going to do? What is Looster doing? Well, big, strong Looster, I think, is going to make his way over to the rope and see if he can give the rope a big old yank once the once uh, the person overboard has a hold of it to help them up the actual side of the ship. Okay. So if it's not there yet, I'll hold my action to do so once they actually have a hold of it and help yank. So you want, once she's got, once Beth has a hold of the rope, you're going to help pull her up? That's what you're saying? Correct. Okay, perfect. I like it. That brings us to Merlin Carlisle. All right. Merlin Carlisle is going to look to get below decks as soon as possible. (laughs) Uh, He is terrified that he's going to get tossed overboard. Okay. Considering his luck in life, uh, he feels like death is imminent. So he's going to head towards the hatch and try and get below decks. You head for below decks. Oh, that's perfect. Below decks goes Merlin Carlisle. Give me a dexterity saving throw. Okay. An eight from Merlin Carlisle. An eight from Merlin Carlisle. Uh, so in a panic, you just run towards these stairs that uh, go down to the lower hold. The ship pitches violently, and you lose your footing on the stairs, go tumbling down face first, and you're going to take a D6 of falling damage oh, as no. you go down the stairs. We're level one, you guys. He's going to die. Just maybe. You take three points of bludgeoning damage as you fall down the stairs. That hurts. David, did I make Looser make a deck save to get over there? Uh, no, you didn't, no, so I should probably roll that. for that, eh? Yeah. It's caught. Just re-roll it, man. Just re-roll. Okay. Uh, that is a 16. 16. You are good to go, so we don't have to retcon anything there. Merlin Carlisle plummets down the stairs. Just... Do, 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 pop. 
Beautiful. Just his luck. Just his luck. (laughs) Three points of damage. That's a lot of damage for a level one. It sure is. Uh, That's going to bring it to Slash. Slash is looking around and seeing that there's three people trying to help. Well, I suppose including Peter. Four people trying to help Beth up on deck. What's the rest of the crew doing? Is the rest of the crew just battening down the hatches? They are running all over the place trying to like resecure ropes that have uh like snapped under the pressure of this storm they're they're doing everything in their power to try to regain control of this ship the man overboard does not seem to be at the top of their priority right now they're more worried about making sure this ship does not sink Cell would probably go to the nearest center mast that he can find, closest to the group that are trying to help the people up, and he would try to fasten a rope around it and throw it to the people as another anchor point so that these people can start making their way back to center ship once they bring the person up. Okay, great. You see that Tess already kind of has a rope uh, run over there. Why don't you just give me a... a a survival to see. You can kind of grab the other end of Tess's rope and, right. and uh, re-secure it. You said it was a survival? I think that, that makes sense. Yep, uh, that would be a 16. 16. So you secure that end of the rope successfully. Good to go. Rope super secure. Tied around the center mass of the ship. I'm going to call out, please grab onto the rope as it gets taut. Right. So that's going to bring it to top of the turn order. The Kraken's turn. The Kraken's turn. (laughs) What's the ancient red dragon going to (laughs) do? You see Beth, uh, like, try to reach up for the end of rope, and the timing is just horrible. The ship goes and, you know, rolls in the opposite direction just as she's trying to reach out and grab the end of that rope. And she is unsuccessful. Uh, she rolled a seven. Oh. Uh, so that's going to bring it back to the top of the turn order. Stiletto. Much different situation now. You've got quite a few people around you. There's a rope in play right next to you. What do you want to do? I look to the strong dragon beside me, and I will uh, go here. Take my spot. I'll support you from over here. And I'll get right behind you and give you the aid action for hoisting her up. Okay, so you're going you're gonna to aid. Uh, perfect. That's going to bring it back to Tess, then. You're right up there on the railing. All right. What do you do? Um, I, I'll see her reach for the rope, and of course it's too slick. I should have thought of that. Um She's not going to get this by herself. Uh, I would like to grab onto the rope, jump overboard, and try to like swing across and uh, damsel in distress style grab onto her. Oh, beautiful. I love that image. That's fantastic. Let's do it. Acrobatics, maybe? Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, great. <laughs> Roll athletics, minus one. How's your acrobatics? It's good. Plus five. Oh, plus five. Yeah. Man, oh man. I'm proficient. Uh, Monk things. That's a ten. A ten. Ooh. Sure you didn't give me help there, Adam? (laughs) I didn't know you were going to try and steal Peter's girl. Have you met me? Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) (laughs) With a ten... You grab the end of the rope, you jump off the side of the ship, hope that Slash has tied the other end securely, which he has, and you absolutely swing down, just like in the movies, and you kind of grab Beth in your arm and manage to kind of get a good hold on her and bring her into a, a hug almost. Unfortunately, not quite enough momentum on your swing to kind of get back up. Uh, so you're now just kind of hanging off the rail, you know, one hand holding the rope, the other hand's holding her. So you've got her. But okay. Now both of you are <laughs> overboard. Okay, I'm just going to try to reassure her and be like, don't worry, I've got you. There are so many people coming, coming to help. Looster, what do you do? 
Well, I'm going to look over and, le- and swap positions with Stiletto. And as we're swapping positions, hey, Lustra, we're going to tug. One, two, three. And I'm going to yank the rope that All they're right. both hanging from. You're going to do that with advantage because you have aid going. So that's a 17 on the first. Oh. And Ooh. that's a 21 on the second. 21. Yeah. With ease. The two of you just yank on this rope with all your might. And you pull up Tess and Beth. Uh, get them both back on the main deck of the ship. I start blowing up some water wings for her. Getting her ready just in case she goes back over. Oh, you took starting gold. Of course you took water wings. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys managed to get Tess and Beth back on the top deck of the ship. Peter just like immediately hugs Beth. He's crying. And they're both thanking you so much. And Beth kind of like she looks towards Tess. And you see the, the word thank you start to form on her lips. But before she can get those words up. <laughs> They are deafened by this ear-splitting crash. This is the loudest noise you've ever heard in your life. It drowns out all other noises of the storm. The entire ship just pitches hard to port as a stroke of lightning just impales the entire starboard hull. Crimson flames immediately spring to life, engulf fully half the length of this ship. You hear rope snapping, you hear the mass starting to splinter, and despite all of that, the screams of the dying people in the aft castle challenge the cacophony of this storm for supremacy. There's this great wave that crashes upon this burning hulk of ship, just shattering it and sending every last one of you tumbling into the churning sea. Even Merlin? (laughs) Especially Merlin. (laughs) I wonder what happened to Merlin right below decks. I guess we'll find out next time. We've been doing this for years. I still didn't see it coming. (laughs) (laughs) Like, okay, so next...